everyone welcome back to across the roman verse it's episode 126 we're recording a couple days after roma's one nothing win over torino at the stadio olimpico grande torino uh thanks to the easter holiday yesterday roma played on saturday so brandon and i here jimmy traveling for the holiday so the two of us got it covered and brandon it's three points that's always nice but uh i don't know if there's much else to cover in this one no it was the definition of a snooze fest i was in charge of highlights and that was throughout <laughs> throughout the match i was like i don't even know what i'm gonna write about um but we got there you know and we got the three points more importantly so uh it, it's good to and with our rivals dropping points in the table over the weekend huge three points that sees us um up to third behind lazio who strangely end up beating you know this i mean not really strangely but you would expect a helping hand from Juventus there, given um, how well that they've been playing of late. Uh, but, you know, we're in a Champions League spot, and that's really all you can ask for at this point in the season. Um, there's, what, like nine matches left in the, in the league season, so it's right there. Uh, finish line's inside. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, maintaining momentum. And so not the prettiest result, but did what it needed to do, and now we focus to a huge match on Thursday. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. It, it was you needed the three points. We saw our rivals didn't get the three points in matches that you would have expected them to. Milan dropping two points against Empoli, uh, Inter dropping two points against Salernitana. I don't know if you saw the goal for Salernitana that tied that match. It was Antonio Candreva was basically just like crossing the ball in from way, way out on the right wing, and it somehow beat Onana in like I think it was the 89th or 90th minute. I saw it on Twitter. I was like, wow. So some way to for them to drop two points. Milan stifled by an Empoli side at home uh, to a 0-0 draw. You mentioned Lazio won, which was uh, not, I guess it's not that surprising these right. days because they're playing well, but right. Juve, you know, teams when we need help against Lazio haven't been given it to us, namely Juve and, and Napoli. Uh, of course, we didn't help ourselves against them either, so you can't really blame anybody else but ourselves. But uh, also, Atalanta beaten 2-0 by Bologna at home, and those three results right there going Roma's way, you know, if Lazio finishes ahead of us, so be it. If Roma finishes in the top four, to me, that doesn't make a difference because second and third really don't change much in terms of standing or procedure. You didn't win the title. You're still in the Champions League, and Roma's still got the Europa League to, to worry about, too. So, to me, I don't know about you. I Lazio's finished ahead of us in the table for, like, three years running. They they haven't – except for when they went to Europa League, when we went to Conference League, it hasn't meant much at, at all, yeah. I don't think. Yeah, I still think there's some uh... – portion of the Roma people that will come after you for that take and of can't course. finish yeah I can't finish below Lazio at any cost but I, I agree with you I you know if you're not first as long as you're two through two through four I don't really care where they finish um obviously you want to play well along the way but sometimes uh you know your placing table is what it is so um if they end up finishing ahead of us my only you know my only positive from that would be it'd be cool to see uh, like your Napoli and the Rome teams be finished ahead of the, the Northern, the Stripes, if you will, um, after some years of it not that, that not being the case. So um, that's the only positive I would take away from that. But I, I like you. I don't. I don't really care. 
Yeah, to, to me. And then also, if Roma can make that run in the Europa League and, and reach the final, that I think justifies finishing below, sacrificing those couple points to, to play those extra matches when you saw Lazio crash out of the, the Conference League that Roma won uh, just right, a year yeah, ago. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like they, they crashed out of the, their European competition. So if we get back-to-back European trips, incredible. Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to say we would have bragging rights. Yeah, I agree. If they can find a way to win a second European trophy, I think that's bragging rights over almost anybody in Italy, depending on how the Champions League goes. We won't get ahead of ourselves yet. It is only the yeah. quarterfinals, but <laughs> just the thought of it is is enticing for sure. Um, the match itself, I mean, Dybala, money from the spot. And after that, Roma really didn't do anything. Now, to me, that's my biggest takeaway, maybe my biggest concern. You know, Mourinho was, after the match, this is what he had to say about it because he was asked about the result. And, uh, you know, it was... The, the, the question was basically, you didn't give Torino a sniff of goal today. What was, was that where Roma won the match? And he said games are won when you score a, a goal more than your opponents. You know, very sage thinking there. And I think uh, any any uh, novice to the game knows that. But he said whether it's one nothing or 5-4, the objective is the same. Score one more than the other team and you win the match. That goes for other sports too, not just football. Uh, you try to win as much as you can with the qualities, with your qualities and your problems by trying to hide your problems and making the most of your qualities. So, I think really there he's like, we got the one goal. We were only interested in shutting it down. If we didn't need another goal, we didn't necessarily need it. But to me, when I look at the stats and I see Roma had, besides the penalty kick, no shots on target, uh, out-possessed by by a Torino team that's not that great offensively, it does leave me with some concern because even last week against Samp, when they did win 3 nothing, it took until I think the 89th minute to get the second goal and then a penalty kick. So the offensive flaws are still there. Yeah, uh, but you know, at this point in the season, that's not that's not going to change um, yeah. unless somebody finds a, a purple patch and goes on a tear. Um, but outside of that, the kind of you know, the system is a system. Players are. I don't even know what to say at this point in terms of uh, an aptitude on offense or in front of goal rather, but. Um, it's just something that we're going to have to live with. Thank God that we have a rock solid defense. Um, but as Mourinho has pointed out so many times before in the past, the three points is all that matters. Um, and, you know, in particular with this game, I'm not so worried about the offensive performance just because of the people that were out um, with Mourinho himself at the press conference mentioning that how they lack a certain bite, so to speak, because Abanez um, and Pellegrini and players like that were missing out, um, which is understandable. And then knowing the huge match against Feyenoord in midweek, um, that checks out why this wouldn't be a game for rotation. I know he said he wanted to go with El Shirari and Solvakin because they, you know, are the fastest players on the team and they offer that threat, which is it's just valid. But I think it has probably has more to do with wanting to be full strength for that Thursday match. Um, which makes the result even more important and less so the how many goals were scored. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I thought the rotation had a lot to do with that. I think the Dival false nine, Solbach, and kind of that, they've just kind of rotating those players up front. El Sharari had a lot to do with uh, the tactical setup in that sense, leaving a center forward on the bench. But I, I think you're right. I think leaving Matic, Ibanez, Pellegrini, who had a fever, I think they said during the, the broadcast, but did end up playing a little bit toward the end. I think that was more with Feyenoord in mind. I think if there's a week apart, maybe you see some of those guys play. Maybe he goes with it a different way. 
Um, but I think one eye was on Feyenoord there, knowing that Torino's a team you could and probably should beat with a couple of players being rotated out. And Feyenoord's going to present a different challenge. And I, I think that's where he went with that. Um, he was interesting after the match. He was asked, you know, which team are you most worried about in a battle for the Champions League spot? Because he was asked, you know, he was told, oh, you guys are in third place now. And and uh, he goes, are you sure Juve doesn't have 59 points? And, and they were like, well, ex- you know, um, in this case, Roma would be fourth. And he goes, exactly, this is Italy. So he threw that little jibe in there at, uh, you know, the, the potential of the, yeah. the 15 points coming back. But then in response to which team he's most worried about, which was obviously in reference to Milan and Inter and, and possibly Juve and Atalanta and, and those teams that they're battling with, assuming Lazio stays in the top four, he goes, ourselves. we must think like a big team and a big team doesn't sacrifice any competition. A big team doesn't lose a match to have a better chance of winning the next one. And that's our problem. We have a squad with limitations. We're in the quarterfinals of a European competition that looks more like Champions League than Europa League. And we're playing three games a week again. That's difficult for us. I'm not able to think with a small team mentality. I'm not able to say that the Udinese game is more important than Feyenoord. And nor can I say the opposite. We're taking one game at a time and we'll see where our limits are. A few weeks ago, we lost Rick Karsdorp for the rest of the season. And today we may have lost Solbakken for the rest of the campaign. That's one of our limits. However, we also have many strengths. And one of the things I've been trying to do since I came here is to think big. We lost in the Coppa Italia, but only because sometimes you lose games in football, not because we threw it away. The same thing will happen in the Europa League. Either we'll advance to the semifinals or Feyenoord will have shown themselves to be better than us over the two legs. So in that sense, I think that's the perfect mentality. That's how I want my coach talking. You know, I see, and I don't know if this was partially a shot across the city at the way Lazio approached both the Europa League and the Conference League. But I want my team to, to play as many games as they can, treat every match as important because obviously top four is important. They don't have that locked up yet. And to me, winning the Europa League would be a very big accomplishment, I think, for this this Roma side if they are able to get past Feyenoord and continue to move forward. Yeah, either way you slice it, uh, being success, successful in either competition equates to Champions League football. Um, so it behooves Roma to to go all out in every competition, see how far they go. There's no guarantees on either end for the the Champions League. So um, they definitely need to go for it on both fronts. And then when you have Mourinho at the helm in a knockout competition, you like your chances. So, you know, I think that kind of balances the scales a little bit in terms of the fatigue that they're going to experience every three days because Mourinho will set them up accounting for that obviously um and in a way that's been very successful since he's been in at roma and of course obviously for overall but especially with roma uh, so it starts thursday we'll see how it goes but i i'm with you i i very much enjoy seeing them and playing every three days yeah i agree I, you know the the timing of some of the matches 12 45 on a thursday is not oh, great sorry. but you know, if we get a little further in the competition, you know, there's some personal time at work that may need to be taken. I'm just going to throw that out there now. Did it did it for the semis and the finals last year. So we'll see. We'll see where it I, goes. But I did take the day off last year uh, for the conference league final. So, yeah. yeah, not every not every year. Certainly not every year you can see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The first yeah. since I've seriously committed to watching room with the first uh, opportunity to watch them in a final wasn't going to miss that. Yeah, I think the last time I saw them in a final before that was the that one. I won't even I won't even mention who beat us in the in the Copa Italia final back about twelve years ago or so. 
So it was definitely worth taking the day off. Before we move on to Feyenoord completely, there was a question about Belotti. I, I thought he would get the start in his old stomping grounds. I thought he would get some playing time. He did not play. Um, Mourinho was asked, and he said, I won't. Um, I explained my decision to Belotti. He gave me a Belotti answer. I told him he didn't why he didn't play, and his answer is, all I'm interested in is the main thing is Roma 1. That's a Belotti answer. My explanation remains between me and him, so we'll never know why he didn't play. I'm sure Mourinho has his reasons, obviously, and uh, Belotti gave the answer any Andrew would want to hear at playing for something important yeah it's not a surprise at all it's exactly what i would have expected the response from him um but that didn't save him from getting roasted by the yes <laughs> yes yeah, so i, I think brent said this someone had uh the, the sign up right like we can't make fun of you because you don't play or something so uh, a bit it's harsh to their brutal. old captain but they're they're bitter yeah 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 Certainly can't get blame them for giving him some stick, but that was a brutal one. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess we'll leave it there with Torino. Not much more to say. You know, they played a very good defensive match. That much is is true. A um, couple numbers that just jumped out of me. El Shari, five shot creating actions. I, I know Jonas had a, a piece up today on the site about having to bring him back. And I, I don't think there's any doubt about it that he needs to be brought back especially when he's willing to negotiate at a a cut rate from all the all the reports at at this point yeah i think all of us at cbc love watching him play with roma um as you mentioned willing to to take a pay cut wants to be here Mourinho trusts him um and with uh with the squad with what as the club would live in a means like roma you kind of have to keep hold of these players because replacing him with somebody that Mourinho will really trust uh, or that you hope to quickly gain Mourinho's trust like El Shirari. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to come cheap. So um, if he's willing to take a pay cut, I'd say, you know, another year or two, keep him around, see how it goes. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So we'll see where that goes. But like you said, players that Mourinho trust hard to come by at times. We've seen it with some of the players that are here now. Um, that kind of fall out of favor and need to work their way back and how long that could take like for a player like Karsdorp. Um, you know, we, we've seen Selleck not play much. So if you have a player he trusts and, and who's willing to play for the team at, at a reasonable rate, I don't see why you don't bring him back. He's still, I think, got plenty to give. So Feyenoord is now the, you know, the, the focus is fully there. Thursday, they go to Holland. I, I believe both matches, traveling fans have been banned. Um, because of what happened, I think it was when Feyenoord actually played Lazio. Because when they played Roma, it was in it was in Albania uh, in the final. So issues between the the city of Rome and and the fans of Feyenoord, and and they're going to keep, you know, at least try to keep both sets of fans home for these matches. Feyenoord playing very well in, in the air device. I, I can't say I've watched them this year. I, I don't you know watch that league, but when you see Ajax eight points behind through twenty eight matches of a. Uh, 34 match season. That's, that's impressive. Um, I think Feyenoord last one league about five, six years ago, um, 67 goals forced 27 allowed in, in the Erdevice, uh, in, in route to that eight point lead. When you compare that to what Rome was done in Serie A, similar goals allowed 26 through 29 matches, but only 39 scored. So we see where the, the big difference is with these teams, obviously not apples to apples when you compare stats between the two leagues, but it does say something about the way they like to play. I think. Well, you left out the most important number um, as to why IX are one po- or eight points behind. Is that Feyenoord only has one loss, and yeah. uh, which is 
an incredible statistic, no matter what league that you're in, um, especially when you have powerhouses like IX and PSV um, also out there able to take points off of you. So it's it's a pretty good accomplishment and definitely makes them a dangerous threat, maybe more so than last year. I've seen a few reports of ex-players of Feyenoord state that they're definitely uh, markedly better since the last time these two teams met, but you could argue Roma as well with the additions of Dybala and Ronaldum. So it'll be definitely a different matchup um, than we saw in Albania, but uh, I'm hoping that they're similarly to Salah and Madrid and Champions League finals, his, his quest for revenge and their quest for revenge kind of uh, <laughs> gets them a little too amped up for the moment and uh, Roma are able to take advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, I think that's kind of how you have to play it. From what I understand. Um, okay. I, I did a Q&A that's going to go on the site, and you mentioned some ex-players. Um, I had a Feyenoord account. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post it tomorrow. She said only four of the starters from that final are still with the team. So I wonder if that's more just like those four players and the manager who are too amped up, or maybe it infiltrates like the whole uh, squad. Yeah. To be able to see. Uh, I mean, you know, you would assume – players want to be playing for the manager and you know the manager and and what i'm not sure which of the four players that you alluded to are still with the club but i would imagine they're pretty uh important players um you know that, that can trickle down to the other folks on the team so um i think no matter what they're going to play hard but uh I trust Mourinho and Co. to the game plan around that and um, you know, effectively shut them down, which they did pretty comfortably last time around. Yeah, yeah, and that and that's the thing. And, you know, Roma has played really well in these two-legged affairs under Mourinho. We, we mentioned it after the last round, you know, that they, they shut down Red Bull uh, Salzburg in the second leg, got the job done. Um, you know, the last round they got the job done last year. They, you know, they, they pretty much win every second leg that they need to. To me, it's limiting damage definitely in the first match. You want to try to get out with results if you can. I mean, I'm looking at Feyenoord in the Europa League. They they only went 2-2-2 two, two, and two in the group stage. They lost to Lazio uh, early on away 4-2. So they, they, they can give up goals, you know, uh, in some matches. They drew Midland uh, away. They drew Midland at home. Um Sturm Graz, they hammered. Uh, then they lost to Sturm Graz away, and they beat Lazio one nothing in the final match. They that that's pretty much got Lazio relegated to the Conference League. Um, you know, Lazio had a red card in that match, but that was actually it was a very late red card, so it didn't really affect the outcome. But um, then you see what they did here in the in the in the knockout rounds, and you see the way they hammered Shakhtar Donetsk, and you're like, well, this team can really pour it on when they need to. They they drew the first like one one, um, and I think it was Poland was the neutral ground they played because of what's going on in Ukraine, and then they just hammered them seven one in in Rotterdam. So, um, you know, Roma's gonna have to be wary of that. And the way it was described in in the Q and A that's gonna be coming out tomorrow, it's an attractive offensive, high tempo football, a really fit team that keeps going. Um, they've come from behind quite a few times this season when they've had to. Um, they're not gonna give up, which you know we've seen that with Roma too. Um, but Roma, of course, doesn't seem to be as clinical offensively when they need to come back. So they're, I think they're going to have to keep it keep it tight at least for the first match. And I think that's how Mourinho probably approaches that this match. 
Yeah, but that's fine because Roma were able to keep it tight against the most high octane offense in Europe against yeah. Napoli um, twice. So, as vaunted as Feyenoord's offense may or may not be, they're not going to strike fear in me the way that Napoli would, and Mourinho was able to effectively game plan um, them to you know shut shut down that high octane offense. So I expect something similar here. Um, not being as familiar with Feyenoord as one of the teams in City, uh, uh, you you know you mentioning that it's probably a little more reassuring because I feel like. They're probably so used to playing this open style, and they're just going to get frustrated when Mourinho parks the bus once again. Yeah, similar to what we saw in May. So um, that's actually a little bit more reassuring, I guess, uh, given what we know about how this team has played defensively. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you know we we've seen what Mourinho does in these matches, especially away against a high octane team. He's going to probably approach it very similar to the way he approached Napoli, and Roma kept both of those matches very close. The first one. Uh, was down in Naples, and it took a really, really lovely play for Osiman to to win that match for them. And then, um, you know, Romo almost pulled out the draw at home with the the goal by El Shirari, and they gave it up late to Simeone. So, you know, Roma can keep those kind of teams in check. I think that's how they approach it. Obviously, I, I think they stick with that 3-4-2-1 type setup. Do you think we see Abraham. Do you think it's Belotti? Do you think maybe we see the false 90 ball so he can get that third midfielder in and play and win Haldem, Matic, um, Cristante, and Pellegrini all kind of with Dybala? Where do you think he goes with it? Because that, that's kind of fascinating. You know, I, I almost instinctively said, of course, Tammy is going to start, but I'm not so sure about that anymore. Uh, I'm pretty confident Belotti is going to start just because of the work rate. Um, but as for Tammy, I think that's a bigger question. Um, I think, yeah, I could see, I could see a, you know, Balotelli playing up top with uh, Pellegrini and Dybala behind, and then you have Matic and Wijnaldum in the midfield, because you know Matic is definitely going to play. Um, yes, and so outside of swapping Tammy for. Uh, Belotti, that's probably his first choice as you're going to get um, in most people's eyes. And some people would probably argue that Belotti is warrants that first choice spot overall. So could be the strongest uh, Roma that we could possibly get or, you know, part of being healthy um, some other folks being out injured. But I think that's what you have to go with. Um, unfortunately for Tammy, he's just not really in form right now. Yeah, I, I think... And maybe that's in part why Belotti didn't play on the weekend. Maybe it's to keep those legs fresh because they're going to need him to kind of press the ball and, and you know, get out on the counterattack and hold the ball up when Roma does get out of pressure. I don't know. Um, because I, I don't know if you play Dybala false nine, if you can play him with Haldem and and kind of Pellegrini behind. I don't know if there's enough speed there without like an El Shirari or a Solbakken. Um, You know, I don't – it and one, one place, you know – I would almost, and I don't know if he's going to do it because Zalewski's been playing right wing back every match, but I almost like an El Shirari over a, like a Zalewski because Zalewski's not that defensively responsible to begin with. In, in terms of experience, he's not a natural defender. To me, El Shirari's a little more experienced in being able to defend as an, as an attacking type player. I don't know if he'll go that way, especially because he likes to play Spinozola in his natural left wing back. Right. But I'm hoping that they don't exploit Zalewski if if they do play him at the wing back position. And that's not a knock on him. It's just not his position. 
um, and he's a young player. Do you think Mourinho considers Pelic at all? Or... I find it hard to see, considering the way he's yeah. played him so little. Like, even when they played the four-man back line, he didn't start. That was, to me, that was telling um, Yeah, in a four-man yeah. back line. At least early on, he seems a little more defensively capable than uh, especially especially for Lefty still getting familiar with the right side. Um, that could, but again, the, the limited playing time, I don't know that you would, you would trust the stardom um, in a match of this size because it's not like, you know, it's on the yellow against Real Madrid. You have this youngster with enormous potential, maybe spark in this game. You kind of know what you're going to get from Selig, so I don't know if they're the rewards worth the risk on that front, but something to think about if you're worried about Zalewski getting exposed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to see the way they approach it. I, I mean, I think he's going to go, obviously, the three center backs that we've seen all year. And yeah, I think it's probably Spinazzola and, and Zalewski at this point, just based off of what he's been doing. Um, and I, I think it's hard to see him benching either Matic or Cristante just because he's relied on them so much. I know they kind of become redundant and a lot of people – don't necessarily like that combination. I I didn't like it early on in the season either. Matic has been playing a little bit better lately, and so is Cristante. But I guess it depends how hard do they want to pull that e-brake and park the bus in front of the 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 back, and how yeah. little do do they think they can concede if they go with the big, you know, three defenders and the the kind of bigger center midfielders, and and really, I guess maybe just try to hit off of and a counterattack here or there or a corner kick or some kind of set piece and and you know see where they can limit it that's it's gonna be interesting i think tactically it's gonna be a very interesting matchup yeah definitely and uh it's you know you have to be on point at all times when you're playing a defensive game is what we expect to happen on roman's part so maybe you do go with chris on taylor montage um you need to chase the goal later against higher legs um you know who knows maybe you can make something happen but i I see your point for sure about it being tough to drop either one of them um but in a pinch i think you have to go for sante for sante but we'll see Mourinho, you know rabbit out of the hat wouldn't be surprised um but we'll find out thursday 11 45 yeah I think at this point, limit the damage first leg, I think, is the main thing. Get back to Rome, whether it's level, hopefully up, would be, you know, preferred, obviously, maybe win win by a goal. Um, but even if they lose by a goal, I wouldn't be, you know, downtrodden and say Roma has no chance of advancing because we've seen it happen against Bodo last year. We've seen it happen against Salzburg this year. So as long as I think Roma keeps it within a goal, uh, would be preferred. And then, you know, they kind of just take it to Rome and, and then you kind of, Hopefully in your in your home stadium, pro- hopefully packed with 60,000 people, whatever it holds on um, those European nights, it's enough to get you over the line. Absolutely not. I don't think that will be packed um, come the second leg. But and we've seen that as as you alluded to, teams just cannot cope with the intensity of the Olympico in those second leg matchups. It seems uh, so that that's a huge feather in our cap. Um, and then. I think, I think two my two goals to come back from might be a bridge too far. But if it's one, um, I think we have plenty of players that can make a, a moment out of nothing. So I trust them to come back from that, especially at home. Um, 
but I, 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 I'm confident in their ability to hold them um, away. Uh, there's just something about this team at knockout football. They just seem so up for it uh, every time and with, in a way that you never really see in the league, it seems like. Yeah. Um, so I know <laughs> I, I saw, I forget who it was, but I saw a comment uh, after last week's podcast about how I was finally positive for once. <laughs> yeah. but I, I i would like to continue the trend and say i'm very confident about their ability to hold them now if they can see four, three or four uh thursday please come after me and i'll never be positive again but for now i'm very <laughs> confident about their ability to do so yeah that is the one thing i can say about what Mourinho's done you know he's improved the defense obviously we see that in the numbers but i think the big game mentality has certainly been changed I know the Derby hasn't gone Roma's way both times this season, but you think about the way they've played Juve, the way they've played Milan, the way they've played Inter so far this season. They still obviously have those two teams coming up again in a couple weeks. Um, And then you think back to the Conference League and the way they've handled the Europa League this year, beating Sociedad, uh, beating Salzburg. These are are quality teams, especially, you know, a Sociedad team that's competitive in Spain this year. And, you know, a Salzburg team that tends to dominate Austria. I, obviously, Austria is not one of the big five leagues, but it's a team that's done well. So, Ciudad's pushing for a Champions League spot in Spain. They're in fourth place right now. Um, and we'll see against Feyenoord, but they're a team that, if Roma can take care of business against them, is going to win their Erdevice, barring a, a collapse in the last six matches of the season. So, the the mentality shift is there from, from Mourinho. Um, you know, he's brutally honest about the squad's limitations sometimes. And I think that has to be said because sometimes managers try to protect their players in a different way where it's like, you know, maybe sets unreal expectations. He kind of tries to maybe tamper expectations a bit, but he does say, you know, we're in it to win it every time. And and I think that's the right thing. Um, we've seen Roma too. in in the last five years, today was the fifth anniversary of that epic comeback against Barcelona. It was all over social media. You know, we can always wonder what could have been against Liverpool with a, a handball call here or there and, you know, maybe some better. Maybe if Mourinho was a manager against Liverpool, maybe things turn out differently, right? He doesn't get so uh, overzealous in the first leg at Anfield and and things are a little closer in Rome. But, um, you know, between that and then even Fonseca two years later in the, the Europa League reaching a final, I, I, Roma's done well in Europe. And, and this is another kind of example of that after the conference league win. So we'll see where they come out. I mean, we'll be back next week, obviously to talk about it. And hopefully it's, you know, here's a win against Udinese. And then we're talking about, we're holding an edge or we're even going into Rome against Feyenoord for leg two. What, what, what do we expect? And, you know, that would be the ideal situation, especially considering the league schedule that's coming up and the quest for a trophy. Um, I have to thank you for trying Taking the jinx for me, putting it back on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody go after Steve. Uh, I'll go take you know to help, but yeah. Um, and the other thing with that, it's, uh, Fonseca to my final in Europa League. That was another one for me. It was up to help. Maybe we don't have. Yeah, <laughs> a part of that one too. Yeah, <laughs> like outclassed in a in a big semifinal type situation, and I think that's. Obviously, why Mourinho was brought in. Obviously, eventually, I think in that three-year plan was hopefully to challenge for the title. But I also think European success is a big part of it, or at least changing the way Roma approaches big matches, because that's where Fonseca and Di Francesco struggled toward the end in in those league matches. And Mourinho is 
you know, here not to get Roma embarrassed, in my opinion, in some of these kind of matches where they've been embarrassed so many times and to turn it to like, you know, we can win this match. We can beat Juve like they did already. And hopefully they do the same to Inter and Milan when they come to the Olympico in a couple of weeks time. And then, you know, if they win those matches and, and he continues to do the job he's done again in the big matches, I don't think Roma has any problem qualifying for top four. Um, and what we can worry about that, obviously, after the next couple of weeks. But um, he's I think he. There are people who will criticize the lack of offensive production, you know, some of the struggles against Cremonese of the world. But I think overall, so far, it's been a relative success in terms of the defensive fixes, the mentality, and getting Roma to to do well in these competitions. Yeah. Um, and in terms of big matches, I'm, we're slowly approaching a point where I'm feeling as confident going into them as... Um, I would during Selecta 2.0 where more often than not we would win those matches barring uh, outside of matches against Juventus. Um, and granted, the Milan sides are struggling a bit now, and so that's a, partly why I'm able to feel that way. But again, at the time, it's Selecta 2.0, they were, those Milan sides were also a little down. So trying to balance is that in that respect. But um, yeah, no longer automatic uh, loss in the, in the in the column for Roma when they were going into these matches and there was about a two or three period three year period stretch where it was starting to feel that way very much so so yeah I'm we have to get through this week but those those matches against Milan and Peru and Atalanta coming up are really winnable so take it one game at a time but see how it goes. Yeah one match at a time fine or at first uh, and then Udinese on the weekend. We'll talk to you guys after that. Keep up with the site for all of our, our coverage of, of both of those matches. Um, like I said, Europa League Q&A with the final order count coming out tomorrow just to get kind of the lowdown on them. I don't know how many of our listeners are, are up on their device more than, than we are because, like we said, we don't ever watch it really. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, all the regular match day coverage and into the weekend. And uh, hopefully we'll be back with two Roma wins or at least two positive results um and take it to rome next week and and hopefully we see some progression so brent anything you want to leave the listeners with no please no thanks for listening guys all right so thanks again for listening we'll catch you guys next week